This is about humans dreaming together. About humans supporting each other on our journeys. It's about the science and the art behind making our dream lives a reality. To the students of life. The young and the curious. The dreamers and the doers. To those who crave to be a strong individual. And want to be part of something bigger than themselves. Welcome. 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 Welcome to the Dreamology Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Dreamology Podcast. Dreamology is the study of the art and the science behind making our dream lives a reality. And here we are focused on giving you the mindset, tools, and strategies for making daily progress towards your dreams, no matter where you are in your journey. My name is Tim Bishop, and I'm the co-founder of the Dreamers Initiative. I'm a student of life, and I'm a life conversation junkie who is on a mission to identify how to truly live the dream life and help you do the same. Our guests on this show include best-selling authors, neuroscientists, entrepreneurs, and dream chasers around the world who share their knowledge, greatest stories, and life lessons with us. Before we dig in, I want to mention this podcast is brought to us by The Dreamers Initiative, which is a personal development community community that is on a mission to help Gen Z and millennials and young individuals out in the world awaken their dream life and make them a reality. We believe that humans are stronger together and that together we can accomplish anything. So let's get started on today's episode. Hello, everybody. Today's guest is Antonio Sundquist. Antonio is the co-founder of Active, which is a growth accelerator that partners with founders to scale their products online. He is also a mental health advocate, and he has partnered with Lululemon to create an event series called Let's Get Mental, where people come together to talk about their mental health. And he also uses his personal social medias and website on a daily basis to help people with their mental health journeys. On this episode, we talk about his adoption. He is originally from Paraguay and was adopted to a family in Minneapolis. We talk about the process of personal growth and how to best go about building habits. We also talk about his entrepreneurial journey. And at the end, we even dive into talking about the life of Kobe Bryant and what that meant to people around the world. This interview was recorded shortly after Kobe's death, and so it was a hot topic. And more than anything else, Antonio really believes that we should visualize the world that we want to live in and then go create it. So I hope you enjoyed this episode with Antonio Sunquest. Here it is. Antonio, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, dude. Yeah, dude. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. You want to give yourself just a little introduction about who you are, kind of what you're up to before we dive into the backstory and yeah, other things of that nature? For sure. So I am a... Founder, entrepreneur from the Minneapolis area. I am a co-founder of a startup called Active. We are an e-commerce accelerator and we focus on partnering with founders who scale their products online. So we started probably about roughly over a year ago. So that's kind of my main gig right now, 24-7 as I like to say. Um, for those familiar with the entrepreneur world, it's not like a nine to five, it's definitely 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> Make money while you sleep. Make money while you sleep. <laughs> um, no, that's kind of like my main gig right now. Um, I live in the North Loop. Big fan of Minneapolis. Originally adopted from 
Paraguay, which I can't remember if I told you that, but... Um, you did. I, yeah. I don't know much about it, actually, so I'm excited to ask you about that. Yeah, for um, sure. Well, you brought it up. We might as well just go into it, because I just read... Well, so I guess when this comes out, people will be seeing uh, your website um, that you created, which will be which will be cool for the guests to be able to go check that out. But I noticed one of the first things that you said on your uh, website you made, which that like that was the beginning of everything. You feel like that's been... The adoption has, was kind of like... What, what were the words you used on your on your website? It was like the adoption was the first, like, basically, it was the start of, for the rest of your life, basically. Yeah, it was the start of everything. I mean, I can't remember a day where I've gone where my adoption hasn't been a part of it. I think mm-hmm. I was adopted from Paraguay when I was just, like, a baby. So, like, I think I was, like, either six or nine months old. I can't remember. My sister's also adopted, so we always get that mixed up. Um, also from Paraguay, but not related to me, uh, huh. blood-wise. But, um, yeah, everything about my adoption, being adopted internationally is kind of a big deal to me, and being adopted into, like, the best family in the world is a huge thing, and I think for the longest time, there's a ton of studies out there that talk about adoption and how kids who are adopted sometimes can face different, like, trust issues or abandonment issues, I would say, um, for me personally, abandonment has always been kind of a fear my entire life, if we want to get right into it. Um, <laughs> and But like, so for the longest time that was the case, and then probably two, three years ago, I really started to look into that. And I realized, you know, instead of viewing it like my birth mother gave me up and abandoned me when I was a child, um, I like flipped it and it's funny because I actually found out that from my mom, my mother here, that my mom was 18 when she had me and she wanted me to be adopted internationally and she wanted me to go to the United States because she thought that I have a better life here Um, Mm -hmm. and then I know she wanted to go to the university down in Paraguay. So like the more I looked into it, the more I started to realize like actually my life was started from the most selfless act. And what that has done is it's completely shifted mm-hmm. my perspective and it's been the main driver of everything. So like I come here from the most selfless act from a third world country, who knows where I'd be if I was still there. And I come to this, the Minnesota nice, like the yeah. Midwest, the <laughs> safest place you could ever, everyone talks about like if there's a pandemic or something, even like it's very relevant right now with the coronavirus going on. But like if there's World War Three starts, Minnesota, no one's gonna touch Minnesota. No, we're good. So like I go from a third world country in South America to the nicest, most supportive family in Minnesota. Mm. And I'm like forever grateful for that. It's just drilled home and deeply rooted like gratitude in me and also a drive to want to play on a bigger stage. I think thinking about my adoption and being from South America, I'm like, I don't just want to play on a statewide stage. I don't just want to live domestically. Like I want to like play on a global stage. And so when I talk about my adoption kind of being the main fuel and driver behind everything that I do, like mm. it, that's kind of the root of it. Yeah. It's like I feel like I was plucked from South America and came to Minnesota to not just like, you know, throw away the time. Like I feel like I was supposed to do something big with this opportunity. Was that always in you? Like I know you said just a couple of years back you reflipped that abandonment sort of narrative in your brain, but the whole like 
I mean, it seems like since I've known you and it seems like from years back, you've had this, this entrepreneurial mindset of I can create things I want to create. I want to do big things. Did that evolve with this or was those two things kind of separate? Yeah. I mean, getting at the, when I talk about the abandonment thing, that's probably going to the extreme on like a self-awareness journey that I've been on, but like all my life, I've always been inspired by this idea that you can kind of create your own life. And like I've been been inspired by people that have like had a vision and then executed on that vision and brought people along or influenced people and kind of the dreamer visionary thing. I've always been inspired by that. And so, yeah, all my life I've kind of been a black sheep in that sense where it's like, I want to carve my own path. Like I don't want to be like everybody else. I see like the world doesn't need another like you know generic human being like the world needs like the world is like a beautiful place when it's like super diverse and diverse on all levels in terms of skill sets and belief systems and whatnot and so i don't want to like i said be just another average person like i want to you know live the extraordinary life like you talk about and Hmm. you know plant my seed and plant my flag in a way that is like my own unique stamp on the world yeah so that's driven me to like obviously pursue entrepreneurship and you know I even that coupled with I actually have I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs so both my mother and father both sides their parents like started businesses and family-run businesses and so I've kind of been around business my whole life and you know from my dad uh, I learned early on just the power of business to do good in the world and leveraging the power of business to solve real world problems um, is something that became just very visually like apparent in my life it was very obvious and I was around I was around it all the time I was would go to my dad's office and my my mom's like sports retail store that they had and so I knew that I kind of I talk about it on my, my website but I knew that although it wasn't in my blood per se you know being adopted and whatnot yeah it definitely I feel like I was predestined to explore the world of starting something and failing at things, succeeding at things, but just like, I'm not like your nine to five guy. I'm not. Yeah. And it's not even like, I say that from a place of like, I don't, I feel like I don't fit in with them. It's not like I don't, I have nothing against people at Target or Best Buy or the corporate thing, um, contrary to popular belief. Um, but I just feel like the black sheep when put next to those people, I'm like, I, I couldn't do that. I need, I need like the craziness and the volatility of like starting something and bringing people along. And like, that's just, I get fueled by that. And I'm like definitely in the thick of it right now. And honestly, there was up until I started active with the team that I have, we have now, um, I'd been involved in like this different startup scene and like I'd invested in a few different things here and there. Um, but I always had this sense that like I wasn't in the game. Like I felt like I was watching from the sidelines and I was like giving my two cents and helping in different ways, whether it's like capital infusion or just like advice or just my two cents here and there. But I, I always felt like it was someone I was watching as like a spectator. And then there came to a point where I was just like, I wanna jump in the game. I'm like sick of just being a spectator. I wanna like get in the game like get my hands dirty. I want to fail. I want to be challenged and I, I want all of it. Mm-hmm. And the second that I would like 
opened that up to the universe and like was just like I want this throw it at me active became a thing um and the journey from starting that to where we are now has been quite the evolution um and I can definitely say with confidence now that I'm in the game I'm like in the (laughs) trenches for sure now and it's I wouldn't have it any other way yeah it's great dude there's a few things I want to comment on that you talked about and you know, because, like, like, obviously part of this podcast for me is, again, right, like, what is an extraordinary life? And, like, every week I'm I'm talking to new people and I'm reading new things and I'm trying to, like, just trade hypotheses. It's like, okay, this could be this could be an answer. This could be an answer. And, like, all of their own little pieces of the puzzle. And, you know, what you said, like, a couple minutes back, which, like, the world doesn't need, you know, another generic person. And, and I think, like, what... Well, I, what you think you meant by that and how I interpret that is actually one of the things I've been thinking a lot about, which is generic in the sense of like not not fully being you, not fully bringing your unique qualities to the world, not fully embracing who you are. Because I, I think the generic means like more of the conforming to kind of what the standard is, but the standard isn't anybody. The standard is just kind of like this this middle ground that people sort of play in, mm-hmm. but it's not fully just being that you and and that's one of the things I'm thinking a lot I'm thinking about a lot with just like extraordinary might just mean fully diving into who you are just like owning that you're a black sheep or owning that you're different in this way or in that way because then people can connect with you on that people can see that you can bring your gifts to the world in a certain way and so that's how I like interpret that I, I like to think about that because at first I was thinking about that too because people ask me like well extraordinary like what do I have to like start a business or do I have to be this big world traveler and I'm like no but right away I didn't have a full answer for that question but now I'm like I'm thinking it just means like embracing that you and just putting that out there it's really hard to do these days but that's definitely something that I think that I'm starting to own I feel like I've owned it for a while um but I'm really really stepping into this year um when I think even all the way back to high school, so at my high school, for everyone to graduate, um, you had to write a senior speech and you had to present it in front of the high school. And I actually wrote mine on that topic. Mm-hmm. Like I wrote mine on like being yourself and the power of it. And like, it's something I truly believe in because if you start with like the premise of, I'm a big personal development guy. So like, and I know you are as well, hence the podcast. Um, <laughs> But starting with the premise of you should always be growing and improving and innovating and it doesn't necessarily happen like linearly, like it happens in steps or like here and there or whatever. Um, it's, it's not, you know, people have this misconception that you have to like consistently be growing all the time. That's not the case. Sometimes you go backwards, but then take two steps back to go 10 forward type of thing. Um, so if growth is key as like the premise you know, how is society and culture going to grow if everybody's the same? Like, I want to be in a society and live in a society where, like, you're offering a different opinion and and I'm offering a different opinion or I'm coming from a different place and you're coming from a different place. And it's the synergy of those two different things that evolve into, like, the best version of both of them. Mm. And so, like, since forever I've thought about, like, that when it comes to life. And so I just get baffled by people that are, like, 
I just want to be like everybody else because I don't think about it from like a personal level. I'm like, I think about it from a macro level. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Do you see how that type of mindset, if there's enough of you thinking like that, who's going to move the world forward? We need like some diversity here. We need some like clashing of opinions. And so it like kind of drives me nuts about the state of the country right now is like <laughs> everyone's so afraid to like step into their opinion a little bit. And ironically, everyone's opinion right now is like the safe stuff. So it's like either on this side of the aisle or this side of the aisle, if you want to use politics as a lens. Um, so, yeah, I think it's like, to your point, extraordinary isn't necessarily about like being Steve Jobs or being this amazing, you know, in the standards of business, I guess, crazy inventor or whatever. Like, if that's the case, that's great. But like, it's not even about that. It's just about being not ordinary yeah. is kind of like the <laughs> how I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And the other the other thing you touched on, like when you first talking to was, I remember when I first met you, like you had used the word visionary and I, I loved it. I was like, I've never heard someone really step into that and, and call themselves like a visionary. And I, I started to think about it a lot because I was like, huh, you know, because I'm always like, like I have been this idea, this guy who has like all these ideas and all these things and I see the world on this like, I can't help it. I even like, I'll call Tyler like once a week and be like, dude, I got this idea for like in 10 years, we're gonna, and he's like, what? He's like, I'm editing a video, dude, like <laughs> chill out. But I, you know, so I connected with you on that and I want you to touch on on just on how you go about making those decisions. Because you said like, at one point you said, I committed, I said, I want this, I want to be in the game. And since then, it seems like you view the world, and in my opinion, I see you view it as like a very like this is right and this is wrong sort of sort of mindset. You'll learn something, and you'll say, okay, this is the world that I want to live in, and boom, I'm making a choice to live it. You stopped drinking. You said, all right, I have more time. I want to do that. It's like there's so little time in between like the things you see as like that's a good idea. I'm gonna do it, or I shouldn't be doing that. It's bad for my health. I'm gonna do it, or like, intermittent fasting. Like, how do you go about processing? the choices of like how to spend your time and the habits you're building. Cause I find it to be like super fascinating when I look at someone like you and from an I mean, outsider's perspective. So the operative word there and you said it yourself is processing. So I don't, and like you're a mindfulness guy, like you are arguably have been into meditation and mindfulness longer than I have, but that's something that I really brought on into my life this year as well. And like this idea of like detaching from the self and when I process the world around me, like I'm making decisions based on data and I'm making decisions based on like previous experiences and like I try to not be super emotional about it. So like if I, you know, look at my life and like say I have different fitness goals and I want to reach a certain level of strength and endurance and whatever. I then make a checklist of all the things, like the current behaviors that I'm doing, and I go down the line ruthlessly and say, is this one value adding? Is this one constructive towards that goal? Yes or no? And you have to be brutally honest with yourself. And this is where I think um, a lot of people just like brings a lot of emotion into it. And they like, like you brought up the drinking thing. So like I, I put alcohol on the list and I'm like, is alcohol adding value or like bringing me closer to any of my goals. 
The answer was no. And so then instead of like sitting there and dwelling on it or like being like, well, I kind of want to, you know, maybe drink a couple times or I want to tailgate or whatever the heck, you know, the thing is, I'm like, no, let me just try, let me like make a decision Hmm. and like maybe like let's flex that muscle this year. And like one thing which we'll probably eventually talk about is my word for the year is discipline. And part of the discipline thing is making decisions. And so it's all about like, picture yourself roaming through life and like you're you're constantly being fed data and different like things from your experiences throughout your day and when it comes to like building habits and like building behaviors in your life you have to look at that data and make the decision does this thing help or hurt and i would even encourage people to take it a step further and not necessarily even attach like these um almost emotional uh, labels to them in terms of good or bad mm. it's you can like take it a step further and maybe just be like look is this constructive or not constructive like if i if i want to drink that's totally fine but it's probably not constructive towards me reaching my goals but then don't talk about reaching my goal like you know what i mean it's like yeah. that people i think should kind of figure out a way to how how you start to cultivate that type of decision making in your life because yeah. it really makes it a little easier so like i haven't had a drink since um before thanksgiving and it's That's almost like, like three two three months now yeah, and um to be honest it was like tough in the beginning but then after a while when your why becomes a lot stronger and when you become very clear on like hmm. i'm not doing this thing or removing this thing because it's just not constructive towards my goals it's not any more complicated than that. Yeah. Then it's just like so clear, like locks into place in your mind, like, oh. And you start to like build some of these like truths in your life that just like, yeah. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, no, yeah. totally. I, I think you're touching on obviously a lot of those mindfulness topics. Like I've been delving into that, like the not labeling good or bad uh, because we label everything. everything. The weather's good. The weather's bad. This is good. And really, a lot of things just are. A lot of things just... It just is. People is. don't realize the power of and language. Then, and then you just go ahead and make your choice. And I want to ask kind of a broad question, but I feel like really important question because some people, like, I think will listen. And sometimes I'll even find myself asking myself, like, why? Like, why growth? Like, why personal development? Like, why is this so important? And answering that question sometimes, uh, I think, can be different for people, but... I'm curious, like, because you touched on once your why grows, you, you can get more rooted in these things. But from a general sense, like, why are you even fully committed to this life of personal development and growth? Like, what is what are you trying to get at by doing this? Again, full circle, tying it all the back to the adoption um, and the gratitude. And I'll add another layer. Um, I've been, unfortunately, been in... In my life so far, I've seen way too many young people pass before their time. Some people could argue that that was their time, but it's shitty nonetheless. Yeah. Like yeah. when someone you love or is in your life leaves before you're ready. Selfish yeah. Does that sound? Yeah. Um, and so the that's been a really real thing, both in my immediate family and friends of family and things. And, you know... I look at life like, well, I'm I'm here. I have this amazing opportunity to to breathe in the United States, 
in an amazing country and Minnesota of all places and an amazing family. And so I just don't want to waste that. And I feel like I want to like take the time that I have on this earth because no one is guaranteed even five seconds from now um, to how can I continue improving? Like I, yeah. I get a kick from that. Like I, yeah. I, I played sports my whole life. So like I, I love like the thought of like training and, and, you know, just always ramping up your skill level and just like getting to that level. And I, my buddies, like my buddy, Dan, who, you know, Dan Nelson yeah. growing up, we always used to talk about this concept of, you know, we both knew we weren't going to like play professional hockey or anything, but like we talked about playing or like, playing the game of life and being a professional human hmm. and so i think ever since that kind of got stuck in my brain i have been thinking about what does it look like and what does it mean to be a professional human being and since you bring up personal development you look at people in the personal development space that's how i view a lot of those people you look at tony robbins you look at gary v all these people that are amazing um doing amazing things they're professional human beings like, yeah. they're doing it. And, like, they – I look cool. at them like I look at, you know, the athlete. It was just the Super Bowl last night. And, and, like, you look at these athletes and they're star athletes. They're doing amazing things playing on this massive stage. And it's no different. Like, yeah. it's just not sports. Yeah. I lo- Dude, I love that. <laughs> Professional yeah. human. I like – yeah, we've talked about the – just the training aspect of life and how – yeah, me too. Like, I grew up and my life was basketball. Dude, like it was like two hours a day in the summer shooting hoops, and then it was lifting in the Kobe. weight room. And then, yeah, right. It was, dude. That was it, man. I mean, I, I have, I got Kobe poster on my wall. I got, I mean, it was that was like literally that was my entirety of my life was that. And when that goes away, I think there were some people who didn't enjoy the training and didn't love that. Mm-hmm. But like, I was like, that was me. Like that was so me. And that maybe that is why I like this too. But I like what you touched on earlier too when you said you know these decisions you make because your word of the year is is discipline and the decisions you make and that's exactly how i've been thinking about it too which is i think that like if we take a diet for example like a really basic scenario of like some people will try a diet with a goal of like losing like 20 pounds or something like that like um but how i always look at it is like i want to just try this to just see see what happens, like see if I can learn new truth like you touched at, how can I get a little bit closer to this? So like the plant-based thing, you know, I've yeah. been doing and and this like content challenge we've been talking about to like eliminate some of the, that fear of judgment. And uh, now actually this month, I wanna try like the 5 a.m. thing. Not because like I wanna stick to it forever, but it's just cause like, all right, well this guy's trying it. And like, let's just try it. Let's just see what happens. Yeah, and but you're like, just like 10 steps ahead of everybody else just by having that mindset though like it there's a lot of people that are like too afraid but you're kind of in this maybe the word is like honestly just curious i think to be like Mm -hmm. a growth person or to be someone who's like improving all the time you just have to be naturally kind of curious about the world and not so like set in your ways i think you have to be a little open-minded and i think one of the things i've seen with you is like you are curious you kind of take a you know, play from Tim Ferriss's playbook of like, be curious and like be open to the data and the experiences and the, the truths mm. like we're talking about. Yeah. Um, how's the vegan thing going, by the way? Dude, it's going really well. Actually, I uh, ate meat for the first time this weekend in like 60 days because of a friend's cabin and it was kind of like, yeah. And, and again, like if someone's going to serve me a full plate of food, 
I'm, I feel like I'm not gonna <laughs> shove it away and give them a, a lesson about, like, you know, I'm not, that's again, not yeah. more, that's not why I'm doing it. So I, I ate it and we had some great food and, but I will admit it definitely affirmed. I was like, I, I kind of, I like it. I like the plant-based diet. I, I had uh, some turkey and chicken this weekend and uh, it's not that I didn't enjoy it, but I, I guess just how I view all of it now is just like kind of so ingrained mm-hmm. in my head that I'm sure that I'll eat meat again here and there and fish here and there, eggs or whatever, but but I feel like 90 to 95% of my diet is probably going to remain pretty plant-based so to the day I die, most likely, barring yeah. the extension of plants, but you know. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to, like, move towards that direction, I think. I think that's, like, the sweet spot is, like, the 90-10 or 85-15. Yeah, yeah. It's just, like, changing what the centerpiece is and learning. It's the same with everything. It's just, like, once I delved into it, I realized, oh, everybody's low in this, like, nutrient. But I would have never learned that if I didn't make the choice to learn more about food, Mm -hmm. which is one of the reasons why I even did it to start. And then you're like, oh, here, this, this. Well, here's an argument for meat. Okay, let's listen to that argument. And, it, and you know, you just kind of like start to, again, to your point, you just start to get closer to like what your truth is. And then, and then my opinion is you just, you just share what your truth is. And I don't try to push on anyone, but I just say, hey, this is what I'm doing. What are you doing? And if they have valid facts that back up there, then I want to hear it. It's like just this game, like you said, of just finding finding what works and I did learn like for sure from Joe Rogan that everyone is different like that is a fact that people have different you know not every diet can be perfect for every single person just kind of figuring out what works best Mm -hmm. for you based off your values and and your health and what you want yeah and that's kind of again you look at culture right now and even with past generations like our parents and our grandparents it's like they were handed like okay this is life this is how you live life. This is the decisions that you make. It's all predetermined. You can't differ. This is it. Don't be, it's like black and white. Yeah. And I feel like someone handed me that in my life and I was like, I just ripped it up and I was like, I don't have to live like that. And like these other people don't have to live like, I was, am I the only one that's like questioning like these decisions? This is not a good decision. Like you should not (laughs) eat junk food or fast food. Who invented that? This is like not good for you. And like, I think people are just afraid to challenge the status quo and like that. Mm. And, uh, you know, I applaud you because I think you're not doing anything crazy. Like, and this is kind of my point is like, you're literally just looking at life and be like, well, has anyone like looked into food? Cause like <laughs> we should probably look into what we're consuming and it's like, you're not doing anything crazy. And yet some people I'm yeah. sure like, Oh, I wonder why he's doing the plant-based thing and like being all judgmental, but it's like, okay, but like he's looking into food. He's like, he's learning. You're literally consuming food and you should probably be thinking, take 30 seconds, even I challenge everyone to think about what you're eating. So it's not that hard. No. <laughs> like, and it's like, again, but like it's this taboo thing to like question society or like question like what your parents did. And, like their your grandparents their decision like hmm. it's and it's it's when you l- really look at society and you look at like take our grandparents like in cigarettes and then like our parents and like junk food our generation now it's like dealing with the baggage of mental health um sometimes a lot of people just don't want to face these yeah. things or like question anything and i'm like over here being like 
there's no one ha- that has a gun to my head saying that I have to smoke a cigarette or like eat junk food. Like, how can, yeah. you know? I mean, it, dude, this is, I mean, one thing that I feel like I've been learning a lot is just the power of environment. I mean, that's really something that was ingrained in me from Blue Zones. But yeah. also, just the more I think about it, the more it's like so applicable in so many situations. Just like what environment you're in dictates how you act because it's it's hard to always be processing like that's exhausting to always be thinking to always and that's why it's like hard to start a new habit because like once it's a habit then you're good but like when you're trying to start all these new things all at once it's a lot because it's different than everybody else and i mean it's a perfect example of why people say like who are you hanging out with right who's your circle because if you want a certain thing and your circle is not doing the certain thing really hard because you're like well i want to do what they're doing because we're mm-hmm. social humans and we yep. want to be in the circle so that, that, that does make it tough man and it's weird like why are you doing this on a friday why are you doing this why are you and there's all these questions because it's just different than the environment mm-hmm. so i think it's super important to have people like you and my brother and people that i can talk to about this stuff because if you don't find those people then it does become kind of like i feel like this isolating thing mm-hmm. because it's it's hard to always go against the environment. Yeah, no, no like, for sure. I do have this. I'm a, I tend to be an optimist, though. Like, as much as I rag on society's decision making, like I actually do tend to be an optimist, and I think that our generation is actually like we're afraid, but like we're super hungry for people to step up and like change something. Yeah. Like, the second I stopped drinking. Um, and I was even somewhat vocal about it. The amount of messages that I got from people being like, thank you for doing this. Like, this is like, I wanted to try this too, but I was afraid or whatever. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm literally stopping, just taking one thing out of my life that just wasn't serving me. Yeah. So like on its face, it's not that crazy. But to your point, in a society full of drinkers, like it is a little crazy. Um, but I think, like, deep down below the surface, a lot of our generation is, like, actually really, like, relieved by people trying things and being curious mm-hmm. and stepping out. And so it, it does take people like us and, you know, our friends and our mentors to, like, kind of lead by example. And that's yeah. kind of a lot of my motivation, too, is to kind of, like, be the tip of the spear for people and, like, carve the path for others to follow kind of in my footsteps like I don't mind taking kind of the brunt of it um in the beginning if it opens the door for others to try and it like on the drinking things it doesn't even and I've posted about this too but like it doesn't even need to be about like cutting alcohol like I don't, I don't want to be like the sober guy like I just don't drink because whatever but like I want it to be more about making decisions for yourself and yeah. like being decisive and having the courage to step out into the unknown a little bit and to go against mm-hmm. the grain a little bit. Um, and just me, like, I would just want to lead by example and to kind of be a voice for that. Yeah. Yeah, like, you're not, again, you're not saying, like, you have to live your life like this. Like, you should go sober too. But just trying to be like, like, make these choices for yourself. Whatever whatever your, you know, alcohol-free, I mean, yeah, whatever your Step one is, like, just doing an audit. Like, yeah. you did an audit. You're like, okay, what am I eating? Okay, I read the Blue Zones book, and there's a lot about plants in there. Let's, like, maybe explore that. Like, so step one, I would encourage everyone to, like, just do an audit of your life. And, like, the one book that I, I can't remember who the author is, but it's called Atomic Habits. Oh, yeah, James That is, like, Clear? the Bible. Yeah, I, think it's, I think it's James Clear, yeah. 
Um, that book is should be like mandatory reading for everybody because that like teaches you how to like literally on like just a molecular level form a habit and stop a habit Mm. and so for people like one of the steps to that is like just by doing an audit of your behaviors what do you do on a daily basis and like what are your goals and put a plus like an equal like a equals or a minus so like this is either constructive for me it's like Mm. neutral like taking a shower it's good for hygiene but like it doesn't like it's not like <laughs> on a huge list of like getting me towards my goals. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a neutral thing or like the drinking thing in my case was a negative or like a minus. Right. And just like really taking the time, taking it one afternoon or an evening and just journal and start there. That's yeah. like you, people will be amazed if they, like, they do that and they look at that. And then the, the next step of that is like then making the decision. You got to look at that data and like you can't be mm-hmm. – you kind of got to be a little ruthless. You got to be a surgeon a little bit and you got to, you know, the data is there and you got (laughs) to look at it. Like if it's all minuses, you can't do that and be like, okay, I'm going to continue doing all these things. You have to get like, that's the change and the paradigm shift that people need to like start having, Mm -hmm. I think in their life. Yeah. How often do you audit? I mean, like, I think that's maybe part of it too, because it's easy to set goals and then just not check in on them. I feel like, because I'm like deep in the business space, I feel like the whole 90 day quarter thing is like pretty good, pretty relevant. Yeah. It seems like a good amount of time. It's not like two weeks where you just give up. It's like, give yourself 90 days to just kind of see how it goes and then look back and make a decision again. Yeah. Okay. You talked about too, I want to, I want to jump into that, you know, you'd, you, you've shown that you want to be someone who forges the path people can follow, right? I instantly thought about Alan Iverson because I just watched this documentary about him where he was like, uh, he, was the, he was the force. He took the hit about, about being like letting players express themselves where they want and be mm-hmm. themselves. And he took that hit so everyone could follow. And I know that one of those things that you want to do is, we talked about mental health, but like just I think how you say it is you want mental health to be treated like physical health and it shouldn't be. There, there should be no like woo-woo about it. There shouldn't be all this big, this big fuss about it. So I, I want to hear from your, you know, your words why that's so important to you and how your relationship with mental health has evolved over these kind of years as you become more passionate about helping others kind of get through what they're going through. Yeah. So I have this thesis that mental health is in dire need of a rebrand right now. I think from a marketing lens. Yeah. You you look at take fitness and nutrition, two industries that have been created out of nothing and are multi, multi billion dollar industries. Uh promoting, oh, you need to I mean, we literally just got done talking for twenty minutes about food and like yeah. consuming and, you know, yeah. and so it's like yeah. nutrition is so top of mind for people right now. And so is fitness. There's fitness influencers everywhere and there's there's supplements being shoved down everyone's throats about what to you know nutrition and stuff and yet everybody has a brain just like everybody has a body and like that has not been the case from a marketing sense in the mental health space the mental health space and like up until our generation has been this like taboo thing that no one wants to talk about Hmm. to the point where it's become a detriment to our generation where we feel ashamed about it and it's like I look at it like you know, I'm someone who battles with anxiety and 
naturally just being in a high stress startup stuff i mean this just comes with the territory and also being kind of someone who sees and thinks about the world in a global sense like and also an empath like i deal with a lot and like it's anxiety is just i'm all too familiar with it uh but i'm not like ashamed by it like i'm not like i'll be vocal about that 100 percent because it's like to me it's like just a part of life it's like if you have a brain your brain is going to sometimes play tricks on you your outlook on life and like when you go throughout your day like your mind is like a tool and a lot of times we just haven't been taught how to use it and we've been taught oh if you want to be in shape you should probably work out and eat well that's like everyone can like if you say to someone everyone can be like yeah that makes sense yeah and yet why if you ask someone oh do you meditate every day that's like what like (laughs) who who can sit for 10 minutes like so that makes no sense to me i'm like okay Hmm. if you're telling me that the entire world understands the value of working out and eating well but don't understand the value of taking care of your your mindset and your Hmm. your mental health there is a huge problem there. Yeah. That's like grounds for a massive epidemic when it comes to, and we're seeing it unfold yeah. in real time. Yeah. Suicides left and right, people shooting up school. I mean, you name it, there's a laundry list of yeah. things that's like, yeah. man, if people took two seconds just to even explore for themselves or check themselves before they left for the work or school or whatever every morning, the world might be a little more sane. Yeah. And... So, but like my whole thing with it is I try to approach it with people to first just diffuse the whole situation because like everyone is so afraid to talk about it or so ashamed or like they think that people are going to judge them. It's like, take for instance, like I've had panic attacks. Panic panic attacks are the worst. Like no one wants them. They suck. They're horrible. And yet I look at it no different than, oh, I was just working out and I accidentally like pulled a muscle or I like or I'm too winded today, or like I didn't stretch as much as I could have, or didn't warm up enough. Right. That's it. It's nothing wrong with me. There's no, hmm. it's just my mind. It's like, you have to look at it from like, and maybe it's because I'm a little biased because I played sports or I like fitness analogies or whatever, but to me, the, the parallel is so obvious hmm. that when you look at mental health that way, again, it's diffusing and it takes away the, this, this it's not this big monster it's like this thing that's just human and on that note too it's like the world right now is extremely divided and here we have mental health which absolutely can unite us like it's a universally human thing and so take it if you don't want to take it from like the sports or fitness analogy, take it from that lens. It's like talking about mental health being vulnerable with other people is like a way to connect with someone on like a not just like, oh, how's the weather today? It's like, <laughs> no, like how are you like I will randomly ask like baristas or waiters, like, how are you like actually doing? Like how are you doing today? And like sometimes it, like throws them off, but like literally like I'll I would rather have someone be super real with me and be like, actually like I'm today's shitty. Like I don't feel good. I woke up and I felt inadequate or I feel whatever. I love that. That like that that's substance. I can work with that. Yeah. And I feel like the the world and society can benefit from those type of conversations. 
And again, it just starts with making it not a taboo thing and the stigma hashtag. Um, and yeah, just bring it more, more to the forefront. We need mental health influencers. Yeah. Like we need to, the mental health influencer thing needs to rise to the level of fitness influencers yeah. and stuff like that. That'd be awesome, dude. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's crazy. Even as I talk about mindfulness and meditation more too, because I like, like what you said there, it's like, why is that so crazy of a concept? Like to meditate, to sit down and to do it when you think it's normal to go work out for two hours or to do this or do that one, like arguably everything starts right here. Like you got to keep this, this bad. How many bros do you see walking around with the shaker bottles at the gym? And I guarantee (laughs) 99% of them don't have Headspace app on their phone. And it's, well, the crazy thing is too about the whole like carving the pillar is, I mean, I, I released the episode about meditation like a couple of weeks ago and, and, you know, you get some people who reach out about it, who you expect, like, you know, some people who are like, oh yeah, sweet. But it's always, it's always exciting when you get someone who meshes you and it's like, Hey, I listened to this. I was going to try it. Like, do you have any recommendations as where to start? And I'm like, let's go. I'm like, I had no clue that mm-hmm. you would reach out, yeah. but like everyone's, I think people have these thoughts, like they're sitting in there. Like yeah. They're like, oh, why is he mad? So it takes people like yourself to like ignite that. You got to ignite that. And um, again, I, like I would encourage you to look at yourself at the tip of the spear too. Like you just opened a door for someone who might not have ever reached out or ever explored meditation. Yeah. Which is huge. And like sometimes people like you and I can get mm. caught up in like, man, like I want to impact people or like I want to, I want to influence people or whatever, and I want to do it on this big scale. Yeah. But we then overlook and forget the power of, like, the DM, the one DM. Yeah. Like, I get those one, like, a couple, like, random, like, whenever I post about mental health, I'll get a couple people messaging me, like, hey, thank you for being so vocal about this. And, like, sometimes you look overlook that, but then you got to realize that's one more person that I'm, like, yeah. helping to open a door for, which is, like... I, t- I don't know about you. Maybe I'm speaking for myself, but, like, I tend to overlook that sometimes. No, I, dude, totally. I One of the biggest lessons I've learned from this journey is, like, I always had that, like, I want to be Tony Robbins. I want to be – and you forget that, like, the start of that is just touches. Yep. Every person that you come in contact mm-hmm. with, it's not – you start by making your friends around you better and start mm-hmm. by – are not better, but like helping them when they need, you know, when they want your assistance. So you start by just making an impact with people around you and then it grows and that's mm-hmm. super important. And, and maybe that's like on your extraordinary thing, that's something you could talk about too, where it's like, you talk about everyone having a gift and it's not like you and I think we're this like anything special, but like, I think you and I have like explored or been curious a little bit on like what our gift is and have taken that data and that information about just being self-aware and said, mm-hmm. you know what, I'm going to like manifest this or like I want to like cultivate mm-hmm. this more and I want to like live in this and explore this and I want to like step into this person. Yeah. Um, so when you talk about extraordinary, it's almost like encouraging people to figure out what their gift is and not looking at it like a pretentious way. Like yeah. you and I aren't pretentious people. Mm-hmm. But looking at it like, hey, I have this gift, and like, it's almost like I'm doing a disservice to the world by not sharing it hmm. with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw this video of someone the other day because I feel like you hear the stories. You hear like people who started homeless and came up here and did this and did that. And you know, for me, I'm always like, okay, well, I was, 
grew up in a good, you know, suburbs of Minnesota, like pretty low crime, pretty, I mean, like I, I have like 99 percentile upbringing probably, mm-hmm. like I have zero complaints about it. And I always try to figure out how do I just process that um, in terms of like everything. And because I guess I guess I'm a super like analytical person, but I saw someone the other day saying, you know, that when you grow up in a privileged environment, like you have a duty, like if you start to understand the things that you want to do and you can do because of, you know, the environment you grew up in, the opportunities that you have, like you take them. And my mom always reminds me of that too. I'm like, well, you know, I, I'm so lucky. Like I, I don't have much college debt. I have this good family. And she's like, you have that for a reason. Like you just, you have to use it. And that's been a good, for me, just like I, it's, because again, there's necessity in the sense of I, I got to feed myself. You know, some people are at that stage, but like, where does my necessity come from? Where does that like need to do it? And once you can frame that picture more and more in your brain of like, I have to do this. This is something I need to go do. That's what I'm trying to like dive into mm. more. Yeah, I can definitely um, resonate with that. I kind of grew up in a very similar situation where like very lucky, very fortunate and, you know, was taught from an early age that, you know, money is a, is a tool and it's an opportunity thing and not everybody gets it. Mm. And when you do get it, you don't waste it on a yacht. (laughs) (laughs) You pay it forward and you take care of the people Mm -hmm. around you. And so like that, yeah, again, is like a lot of the reason why I'm driven to do what I do and in, in life is to pay it forward and like bring people along. Um, I'm done, I'm going to have like a 700 person entourage at some point in my life, just people I take care of. And like, <laughs> I don't care. Like I'm going to like people can frown upon that, but like that's, I want that. I'm that guy. Like I want to bring my friends and yeah. family along and, I don't want to do it so I can take care of myself. Like I want to do it so I can start an adoption foundation. And like, there are things that I want to do that like I know take capital and again, being really real and looking at the data and looking at successful people versus not successful people financially. And I'm like, well, I would prefer to be a successful person financially because of the opportunity that comes with it. And again, I don't want to buy the yacht. I want to buy the school for kids and like I want to want to be that guy. Yeah. Even anonymously, like I don't even want to, I don't even need the clout. I like literally just like I like I I want to be like felt in the most like subtle ways. I don't want to be like I don't need to be Tony Robbins. Um I just want to be like an entrepreneur and a founder that like if you knew me if you know me then you know that like my hands are in a lot of things, but like if you don't know me, you feel me and feel like mm. the team myself and my team and like what we are going to do and yeah 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 okay we've talked about i feel like a million topics but we actually haven't talked much about the story to like what you're actually doing because like, you just brought that up and i want to mention that because one thing that i've noticed just by being around you a lot too is like you do it's not just life that you're like trying to have things flow together like it is your businesses it is your projects like you have these visions and you want things to come together. And I actually don't even know the story. I don't know the the birth of like, 
what you're doing. I don't know the, the, the creation story of active and like how it all came to be to where it is now and where you want it to go. So I'd be super interested in hearing about that because I don't really even know anything about that. Yeah, (laughs) that's a, that's a big one. So like I said, all of my life I've been around business and witnessed the power of business to do good and solve problems. And again, in college, like got to explore entrepreneurship a little bit and just like in the entree school or like the entree classes at Carlson at the U and um, then after college in the startup space a little bit and then in like learning from some awesome founders um, of different businesses and then with Active, I kind of took a lot of the data from, again, keeping on the theme of data and consuming and thinking and observing and analyzing life with a clear unbiased lens. I looked at the startup space and I looked at business and I was like, okay, if business has the power to do good in the world, um, then that means that it's a really important like founders and founding teams of companies and people that are starting businesses. We have to take care of those people. Like we, we, someone needs to give those people the scaffolding and the support they need to take that thing to the next level. Because if we're operating it from the thesis that business solves real world problems, mm-hmm then we got to pour into those people. And so naturally, like, when Active started, I had this crazy big vision that, like, I want to fill in all the holes that, like, founders, like, all the pain points that they, mm-hmm. they face when it comes to marketing. And so myself and a few other people, we teamed up to start this thing. And in the beginning, it was, you know, the digital marketing side, so funnels and ads, and then we wanted to do content, and then we wanted to do events. So we had this big ass vision that we were gonna basically like be a full service thing from scratch, partnering with entrepreneurs to like scale their businesses. Over the course of the past year, it became really clear that like we could do all that. It was gonna, it would take us a long time and we wouldn't be the best at it. And a good piece of advice that I got um, just throughout my business life was that you gotta figure out what can you be like really good at? What can you own? And you can't, I couldn't like, it became really clear that like as a team, like we couldn't own all of that. Mm. Maybe in like 35 years we could, but I'm not, I'm in the most impatient guy ever. (laughs) So, Honestly, like what started as this big full service vision thing, Gary V thing, um, over the past couple months, I had to make some really hard decisions and kind of go to my, the rest of my team and we had to like come together as a unit and really be honest with ourselves, again, looking at the data and looking at the past year. And ultimately we decided that we were going to part ways with the events and part ways with the media side completely amicably. Like I love everyone else to death. And that, that was the challenge of it is like everyone that was on the team, like they we were all like family. So it was like, again, I'm very thankful that we went through it because it's like, I learned how do you truly navigate conflict and how do you navigate mm. making difficult decisions with people you care about and where it's not just like a colleague, it's like someone you truly care about. Yeah. Um, and it actually ended up working out really well because, 
Um, on the event side, like she is already an extremely successful event planner and she's like pursuing that like all out now, which is amazing. And then on the media side, um, those guys both kind of wanted to go freelance anyways and like had a vision for that themselves. So like Mm -hmm. it actually ended up working out the timing couldn't have been better, but, um, from that, um, like they're, we're both like, we're all still like strategic partners with them, but like our core business right now is an e-commerce accelerator. So we do funnels and ads. So kind of the top of the top of the funnel and then in the back of the funnel, we believe in like creating like a digital end to end customer journey process for right. founders. So a lot of times, uh, we found that founders, uh, are like like our ideal client is a founder that has a core product that is already generating revenue, but they've kind of capped and they're like, we don't really know how to scale up. And that's kind of where we come in and we truly want to be the partner with the founder that's like, we're not an agency. Like we are, we don't call ourselves an agency. We don't want to be an agency. We don't have bloated pricing. Like we literally do like, we believe in having skin in the game. So like we, a lot of our deals are, like just the setup fee for ads like on a monthly basis but then like the bulk of the deal is a revenue sharing model Mm. so it's performance based so like again coming from the startup world and being a founder i'm like i don't want to pay this agency a ton of money every month when like at the end of the day they they don't even care they might not even care about my product where with us it's like we have skin in the game and like we truly want to be like an actual partner and strategic partner with these founders. And like what we found so far is a lot of the founders that we work with, they end up saying things like you guys run my business. Like I wouldn't like be able to be where I'm at right now if it wasn't for you guys. And it's just like, we found kind of the sweet spot in the, Mm. in the, the digital marketing space Um, in particular e-commerce too. Cause again, a lot of the lesson that I learned this past year was like, what can you be really good at and ignore the rest? Just put the blinders on and go in. And so that's kind of the main focus right now. That's the core business. And, you know, there's eight people on our team so far and growing. And the long-term vision though, like by 2030, we want to make like, or have created a billion dollars worth of impact through our founders. So that's like, Hmm. our long-term vision is like we want to work with founders and I want people to walk into our office and our headquarters and see I don't know if you're familiar with like the times 100 most influential people yeah yeah but like I want there to be photos on the walls of all the founders that we work with and all the the amazing products that they've launched and the foundations they've built and our collective goal as a as a team is to make a billion dollars of impact for these founders um and Part of that journey, though, is like to go from our core kind of accelerator work to these kind of two flanks on the side, which on one side, it's Active Academy, which is getting at the like really the educational side and like coaching uh, masterminds, like things like Founder Circle, which we're mm-hmm. toying around with launching later this year, um, where we're really cultivating more than just like the tactical digital side of scaling their company it's like we want to work closely with the founder one-on-one to either get them plugged into a mastermind or create courses that can help them kind of accelerate growth 
just on the developmental level personally. And then on the other side, uh, Active Factory is something that we have in our long-term vision where it's like taking all the internal knowledge that we have at the accelerator level and applying it to our own products. So mm-hmm. my goal like that kind of I share with my team with that is you know, to go to universities and to go to these entree schools and instead of kids freaking out about not having a job, it's like, I'm like, hey guys, like you guys have ideas. Don't sell yourself short. Like, you guys have awesome ideas. Like we want to build the infrastructure on the factory side to be able to take in those founders, young founders, and really like help nurture their ideas to actually something viable that can become like a real life product or service online. Um, so that's kind of, that's obviously a lot, but that's yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. all the kind of the big vision with active and that's yeah. kind of what we're doing there. Stoked, man. <laughs> and yeah, I like, I mean, I like how you, and you've taught me this too, just the, the, you say you're impatient, but I think you're actually really patient. Like, you know, we want to make moves, but at the same time you view this as like a huge long game too. Like this is not like all oh, this stuff's going to be made in a year, right? Yeah. I think the biggest thing you told me right away, too, was, I don't remember what your quote was, but it was like, once you stop thinking about the money, then the ideas really start to come. Like, I don't remember how you phrased that, but you should talk about that because that was huge for me. Uh, and it's probably huge for a lot of people who are in that yeah. mindset. Well, one of our core values as a team at Active is play chess, not checkers. So hmm. this idea of you know, play the long game, what's like, yes, I'm impatient, but what helps is understanding the, the end game and the long-term vision, because then at least you know that the moves you are making, you're one step closer, mm. even if it's a small step, you're one step closer to that thing. Yeah. But the problem that a lot of people struggle with is they don't know the answer to that. Like, if you ask them, like, what's your end game, which is a question that I actually do ask, a lot of people, um, I find that it stumps them because they're like, oh, I did, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking about what am I going to eat for dinner, mm. which is great. I mean, I think about that too, but like I spend a lot of my time thinking about the future almost to a fault, but I'm also thankful for it because it's, it's brought me the clarity that I need to really provide context for the work that I'm doing right now and the grind and the uncertainty and the the ups and downs of team dynamics changing and people leaving and coming and going and successes and failures like at least i know that like even if it's not 100 percent accurate the the map has been put in front of us to like we know what general moves we need to make hmm. and so yes like i said at times can i get impatient of course but like what keeps me sane is knowing, okay, well, at least we're, like, moving in a direction that, like, makes sense and is, like, exciting. Yeah. So I would encourage people to, like, think about that for yourself. Like, for me, all of everything that I'm doing right now in my life is a chess move, 100%. Like, nothing that I'm doing in my life right now, and if it isn't a chess move, I'm like, why why am I doing this? Hmm. How does this add up to... And again, doesn't need to be this. Doesn't need to be. It does not need to be checkmate, but like, and you need to think about it as a move, at least in the major things in life. So like yeah. my sobriety, um, 
building active with the team that I have, um, like, yeah, doing this podcast episode with you today. I mean, like, there are things, and I try to, like, be really intentional about the, the actions that I'm taking in my day, in my life, mm. my weeks, and years to make it have some sort of bigger purpose. Yeah. That's awesome, man. It's cool to hear you talk about that. <laughs> um, okay, well, I feel like we could go on for, for hours here. So there's going to for sure have to be a part two yeah. to this to this episode. But I want to make sure that I, I get you answering this question before we go out on too many other tangents here, which is the main question that I have been asking everybody, all the guests, and then trying to take all that data and, and see what I can do with it. But when you look at your life, you know, how would you define an extraordinary life for you? Like what would the pillars of an extraordinary life be for you? An extraordinary life for me would be, I guess that is the hot seat question, isn't it? It is the um, hot seat question. It's a couple things. I mean, it's, it's a healthy mind, body, and spirit personally. Uh, it's, it's good health for the people in my life. It's no shortage of opportunity, which again comes down to success financial like financial mm. success it's like having not ever having to worry about money because of mm. again but I, I how I choose to view it is no shortage of opportunity right um, and the freedom to both for myself and the people in my life and my family and my friends to be themselves as like broad as that sounds hmm. in the world we live in today uh i wish nothing but that for the people in my life like i i hope to lead by example in that and like carving a path for that um but when i think about an extraordinary life and i think about fast forwarding to whatever that means hmm. that's really a, a lot of, a big part of it is like i want yeah. the people in my life to be themselves because i want to be myself and i want to cultivate an ecosystem around me that that's the default setting. Um, so yeah, I think it's mm. it's health. There's a mixture of health in there. There's a mixture of you know mental, physical, all that. Yeah. Uh, opportunity and then identity. Yeah. Man, I just I was gonna ask you the question that we were talking about a bit a bit, which is how do you get over the fear of judgment and everything? And I want to provide an answer first, and then let you spit back at me because I. So my mom works super closely with um, affordable housing. She uh, works a nonprofit called Beacon. They're putting up actually a couple of new apartments uh, in Plymouth, I think, in Minneapolis. So it's pretty cool what they're doing. But there was this this guest speaker they had, and he was talking about how people like what's the number one thing people can do when they look at like the homeless situation, homeless people. And the two things he said were the top things that you could do were one, education, and then two, compassion. And I thought about that because I was just going to ask you, like, how do you, how do you, you know, overcome the fear of judgment? But then I started thinking about, well, man, one of the issues is also that a lot of people do kind of judge. And what's a solution to this is just like if you attack. So if I see Antonio being his authentic self, and I'm a little bit confused because he's like, hey, I don't drink, or hey, I do this, or hey, I... And my instant reaction is because it goes against what I'm doing would be to either like attack or stay away or whatever. But 
if you can come out of the lens of like education, like trying to understand why is he doing this, and then like compassion for that human being, for oh okay, I, I understand, I feel that. That could be a really good way to look at people who are trying to be their authentic selves and understand and then better yourself rather than judging or, you know, just being like, why are you doing that? Um, so I don't know. That was just a super random side tangent, but I love those two words, like when you think about that situation and how you can look at somebody doing things different than you and take it in without bringing like negative emotion to the table. But on the flip side of that, then, there is how do you act despite the fear of judgment? And I know we talked a lot about that, but what have you started to do in that in that realm to kind of... Because I know we've both been talking about, like, just posting more and just being just keep being more and more vocal about who we are. And how, how has that been evolving for you over the last couple of weeks? We haven't really talked much about it. Yeah, I mean, that's, like, the perfect segue because I just recently launched my site. And yeah. something I literally was like, I swear I've been building my own site for like two years and then all of a sudden it just came to me. And But like on that note too, the other night, I was like thinking to myself kind of about this same topic. And another like kind of life thesis that I have is this idea that, and like it's this, I'm not going to like have a blog, but I'm just going to like put my words on there whenever I, like they come to me. And the first one that I wrote the other day was titled Nobody really knows what they're doing and hmm. it's kind of I, I laugh when I say it because it's the, truly the case like I, I kind of make and give people three actionable pieces of advice kind of from that thesis but basically like a lot of times we feel that everyone else is successful and everyone else is doing things and making moves hmm. except for us when actually it's like the opposite and like one of the points, I won't get into all of them, but one of them that's extremely relevant to what you just said was this idea that people judge because they're insecure. And you hear Gary Vee talk about that, you hear like a few other people talk about that as well. Mm. But this idea that like reframing people's judgment as a lack of self-awareness um, or just self-reflection on their part um, and almost like flattery because in the end, deep down, those people actually are probably pretty encouraged about what you're doing. And the only reason why they're judging you, quote unquote, um, is because again, they took it on, they took it, the reaction like you were talking about where it's like, f like selfish, like they look at themselves. So in the end, like people might not even really care about the thing that you're doing if you're sticking your neck out there and trying something different or new. Um, they just look at that like, oh, dang, I, I'm not doing that, so I'm going to, like, attack this person or, like, I'm going to, like, hmm. project my own insecurity onto them. Um, yeah, so I think part of the f getting over the fear of judgment is just by being, like, people are going to judge me. 99.9% .9 of the time, it has nothing to do with me. So, hmm. I, like, therefore, it's not worth any sort of energy output on my part yeah. to even think about. Yeah. For sure, dude. And and we've both kind of been realizing too that the the benefits of how many people support it as opposed to the people who and there really hasn't been for me. I don't think you said for you either. It hasn't been people who like will you know, quote unquote cyber bully you, but mostly it's like that DM you get or those couple messages you get mm -hmm. and you're like, sweet, like this is this is doing it's planting the seeds, it's doing the work of what it's supposed to be doing, which mm -hmm. is 
you know, for myself and then for the others around me. Um, One thing that might help too, both of us is this idea similar to the, you know, being the tip of the spear thing and um, my sobriety and kind of resetting the expectations for ourselves in terms of like what comes with the territory of being like a leader or leading by example. And one of the things is scrutiny or criticism and judgment. Like that's a fact. Like that is a big part. Like if you stick your neck out and you stand out and you're contrarian and you do things that are different than everyone else, by default, the spotlight goes on you and you're going to get criticized. You're going to get judged. All of that comes with the territory. So I think for people like us, we just need to like sit with that more and really become mm. like be at peace with it. And maybe it's a mindfulness thing. Maybe it's a meditation practice. But like, yeah. that's one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately is like, okay, I fear judgment for sure. Like any other human. But like similar to like when I first started drinking, like I was like, I fear not drinking because everyone else is drinking and I don't want to stick out like a sore thumb and I don't want people to think about me differently. But the second that my why became very clear and my end game became clear with it, that completely trumps any sort of fear of judgment. And so for people like us, it's like if we're talking about a very actionable way to like cope with the fear of judgment, maybe it's an exercise of exploring like and like really sitting with and examining and being and respecting what comes with the territory of being someone who is kind of a pioneer and that's judgment Hmm. and so like it's almost like we you and i both need to just like reframe judgment yeah that's a great point (laughs) so i've just been like super top of mind for me lately so yeah no me too and it's it i mean this is such a relevant topic right now but the you know, the death of Kobe Bryant, it was, it was insane to see how many people's lives he impacted. Like the, it's funny when someone big, I remember like when Michael Jackson dies, right? The world goes crazy. When Prince dies, the world goes crazy. Kobe Bryant dies. And all of a sudden you view them for all their positive attributes because Kobe Bryant got so much shit, like so much. Like people hated him, but he was like so true to who he was. And now you see the effect of that, like literally to your point of like what can bring the world together. Like you have one man being fully himself, like to the millionth degree. And you have like probably a billion people who were like seriously, like emotionally hurt by his death, even though nobody knew him. So like there's a good reminder mm-hmm. too to be like, like F the haters, like, like, like you want to make an impact, like you got to you got to yeah. step up and My do something. My whole F the like haters that. lesson from Kobe's death is similar to what I talked about earlier where it's like what Kobe just showed the world. And again, I'm sitting here like, is everyone nuts? Because I've been thinking of this the whole time, but no one is guaranteed any next 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Like to me, what Kobe, the Kobe situation is another prime example of someone with so much potential like talk about a second career and like as a business and entrepreneur and investor and Mm -hmm. dad and philanthropist, so much potential. And then his daughter as well, so much potential. Yeah. Um, just completely gone, just vanished out of thin air. 
and that's what stuck with me. It, it wasn't so much like he was this icon and all this stuff. Um, it was like, wow, the world just got a massive wake-up call on how fragile life is and how hmm. as untouchable as you think you are, you could get ass cancer tomorrow and that could be it. Yeah. Dude, I found out he was, he was, they were, he was writing a book with Paulo Coelho, which like The Alchemist really? is like my favorite book of all time. And Kobe's like my yeah, favorite. It's a classic. I was like, dude. Yeah, the man had a lot left to give. Yeah. And I haven't been thinking about it in that lens a lot, but that's a really good point. It's just like. I Empty think, the tank yeah, every day. It's like, yeah. go, go in. <laughs> go, it's like, you, like I said, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. And it's like. And that's what sucks is that that cliche gets thrown around all the time, but no one takes it seriously until Kobe dies. And it's like, why does it take Kobe's death hmm. to really sit with that truth that like no one is guaranteed a next second? So like, why can't people take just like a fraction of that truth and start living there, living with it? Like, I don't know. I think hmm. I think something, but something changed. I think I don't know. I hope again. It sounds like a rag on society a lot. I really don't, but like I actually am an optimist at the end of the day that I do think that something changed yeah. with his death. I think some people kind of woke up a little bit. Yeah. Especially a lot of athletes. You see a lot of athletes sure. being like, dang, dude, I'm not going to like, no more shit talking, like, no beef. Like, I'm just going to like, yeah. you know? Yeah. I remember, I think it was, uh, who was it? There was some reporter who was just like so emotionally hurt. He's like, nothing, none of this matters. Like, if you got somebody that you're mad at or someone you love, you're not like, go talk to them, go. Cause it's just like, yeah. And it's to your point, like it doesn't need to have a lasting effect on everyone. Cause it probably won't like in a month, like, but it, again, like some, some people will for sure take that and, and run with it and start doing some cool stuff. So, all right, man. Well, I think that I'm going to let you give yourself a, uh, a closing message to leave with uh, with the audience because I think again we're gonna have to have a part two to this conversation. Oh, sure. <laughs> but um, based on everything we talked about, if just for now you could leave kind of one message with people, um, what would you want to leave with people? I'd say the main message that I'd want to leave is to visualize the world you want to live in, and then go create that world. It's as simple as that. Don't overthink it. Thank you for tuning in to this episode with Antonio. The call to action from this interview that I would have for listeners is to do the self-audit. Take out a piece of paper and write down a list of all the goals you have for yourself in the next three months, six months, or a year. Then make a list of all the habits or behaviors that you currently enact on a day-to-day basis and truly ask yourself, is this behavior pushing me towards my goal, away from my goal, or is it neutral? See what your life looks like and what your habits look like. Cut out the ones that aren't necessary and then see what needs to be added in to reach those goals you have for yourself. So take this information, use it to make action in your life and use it to make your dream life a reality. I'll see you next time.